Hello, my friends, and welcome to our new sermon series on the book of John. My name is Dan Forrest, and I'm going to be starting our sermon series off. Jonathan Chan is going to be doing most of the preaching as usual over the next few weeks, but I get to do it uh, about once a month. And I get to start us off by looking at John chapter 1 to 2 chapter to 2 verse 12. <laughs> John chapter 1 to 2 verse 12. Uh, so this is um, largely considered uh, the prologue to the book of John. And you see in, those, in this first section that we're looking at today, really a snapshot of, like I said, everything that we're going to be seeing as we go through John. Before we do that, though, we're going to do what we do every time when we preach a sermon, and that is we're going to watch a video clip. This one is from the movie Mean Girls, and we're going to look at Katie's experience of her first day at school. Now, it might be weird for you to see this girl here. She doesn't look like a young kid going to school for the first time, but she is. She is 16 years old, and this is her first day going to school because... She was raised in another country in Africa and uh, her parents were doing some crazy things over there and she didn't have a normal school life over there. And so this is her first time being introduced into the school system and we're going to see that now. Enjoy this clip. anyone told you about me. I'm a new student here. My name is Katie Heron. Talk to me again and I'll kick your ass. <laughs> you don't want to sit there. Kristen Hadley's boyfriend is gonna sit there. Hey baby. Uh-uh. He farts a lot. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know about you, what, what your first experience was like going into high school. I know that I dreaded uh, moments like this, going into school for the first time. I actually um, moved to different city one time. I moved to, I, I went to six different schools all throughout my um, elementary and high school days. And uh, those times going into a new school and going into a new environment was never fun. It was always stressful. I didn't know who I was going to talk to. I didn't know who was going to accept me as friends. I didn't know who was going to reject me. I didn't know if I was going to make a fool of myself. What was going to happen? Watching that clip gave me some anxiety and some flashbacks. It wasn't good for me. Anyways, the reason why I bring this clip up is because in our in our story today in the book of John, we're going to see a new kid entering the world and that is our buddy Jesus. Jesus is um, entering into the story of the world for the first time. And the question is the same one that we have here with Katie. Will she be rejected or will she be accepted? And that's what we're going to see in this first chapter of John. Is Jesus going to be accepted or is he going to be rejected? So let's dive right into John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so we're going to be going through um, most of the verses in this section, and I'm going to be asking three questions throughout this. And, and this is typically how I approach a Bible study, a, a personal Bible study of my own, or as, a, as I'm preparing for a sermon, I, I try to ask these three questions. The first one is, what does this passage tell us about who God is? And specifically, um, because this is it's talking about the story of Jesus, we're going to be asking the question, what does this uh, chapter tell us about who Jesus is? Second question that I'm going to be asking is, what does this section tell us about who we are? And the third question is, what invitation from this passage is there for us today? So I want you to be considering those three things. What does this passage tell us about Jesus? What does this passage tell us about ourselves? And what is the invitation for us from this passage? And right away, we're going to see uh, a number of things that are told about Jesus right in the first five verses. So I'm going to um, put in yellow some of those things. And maybe may seem a bit cryptic to you if you've never seen this verse before. What does it mean by the word? In the beginning was the word. And the Greek word for word here is logos. And John is using this word logos for a very important reason. The reason why he is using the word logos is because the cultural um, culture of the day saw this word logos in different lights. The, the Hebrews saw logos in one way. The Greeks saw logos in another way. The Stoics another way. But they all had this common word logos and and they kind of had a bit of a common understanding about what logos meant and logos was um, essentially the life-giving power to all things created the logos was um, a representation of of uh, the power of god in some cases sometimes it was considered just energy but, but the, the power to create and to sustain life, that was logos. And John is purposely using this word because he is reaching multiple audiences. And he's trying to make a connecting point with all of these audiences so that he can now narrow the focus and say, so you think this is what the logos is? This is what you think the logos is? This is what you think? Well, I want to show you exactly what the Logos is. And I'm going to explain the Logos in very um, specific detail. And um, for us that are Christians who know this passage very well, we know that when John is talking about the Logos, he's actually talking about Jesus. Jesus is Logos. And uh, he starts off the passage by looking at, by saying, in the beginning was the word. And this is obviously hearkening back to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the interesting thing is throughout that Genesis story, as God is creating all these things, how does he create things? He create things, he creates things by speaking, with using by using his words, the word of God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be light. It is by the word of God that things are created. And Jesus is the Logos, the Word. 
And another interesting little fact about, not fact, but just a little interesting note is um, if you look at all the Gospels, they all kind of start with a bit of an origin story for Jesus. And they, they go in a, in a particular order. Mark is considered one of the earliest Gospels. And he starts off by going to the prophet Isaiah and looking at Isaiah's prophecy for who Jesus is. Then we look at Matthew. He does a genealogy of Jesus' life. And he does the genealogy all the way back to David and Abraham. So these very uh, forefathers of the Jewish people, really important. Then if you look at Luke, where does Luke go all the way back to? He goes back even further than David and Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam, the father of all people, not just the Jews, but all people. And now John, the latest gospel that we have, he goes back to even before all things were created to the Logos, to the thing that starts it all. So John is trying to encapsulate this huge divine cosmic um, just environment that's going to be ushering in something incredible for our world. So as we see here in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And this is the first thing that we really learn about Jesus here. Jesus is not just some human. He's not just some random uh, spiritual teacher. John is clearly saying that Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Not only was Jesus God, he was the creator. He was the one who created all things. Verse 4, we see that in Jesus was life. So we learn that Jesus is life and that life was the light of all mankind. So once again, we see Jesus as now light as well. And we got some interesting parallels that are going to be happening in the book of John because for the Jewish people, the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books and specifically were considered the law of God. And these things were the things that, that were principles for their lives and they considered the Torah as something that gave them life. They also considered the Torah as something that gave them light and guidance. We remember that as we went through the Psalm series, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And now John is comparing the Torah with Jesus. Jesus is the life and Jesus is the light. Let's go. Let's keep going. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So I just want to clarify here, just off the bat, this is talking about John the Baptist. It's not talking about John, the author of this gospel. Um, John, the, the author of this gospel, is talking about John the Baptist. Really confusing, I know. But here in this section, we see our first invitation for us. What is the purpose of why John the Baptist came? He came to testify about the light so that through him all might believe. This is the invitation for us, for us to believe in Jesus. And we're going to get into that more later about what that means. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, 
or a husband's will, but born of God. All right, we see like a number of things that tell us about Jesus here. Number one, the world did not recognize him. When Jesus came, um, there's this expectation that that this is God, right? And the people would recognize him, especially the Jewish people who had been talking about, prophesying about God coming to them. And unfortunately, they did not recognize him. And they also did not receive him. He was not welcomed. He was like Katie on the first day of school, rejected, made fun of, ignored, pushed aside. He was not considered anyone of importance. Not only that, he was forced away and rejected. But here we learn some things about us, who we are. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So for those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And something that's really important that we need to consider in this verse, and we're going to see it later on as well, and also we're going to be seeing that throughout John as well, this idea of believing in Jesus. And that word there, in, is actually often translated as into in other circumstances. We are to believe into Jesus. And what this is talking about is saying, it's not we believe about Jesus. So it's not about just having mental knowledge about who Jesus is and believing that it's true. When we believe into something, that's we're investing our lives into this thing. We're pouring everything we have into this Jesus. We are putting all of our chips, all of our eggs in this basket. This is the one that we are believing into. We are giving our whole selves into this thing. And when we do this, we are given the right to become children of God, which is an incredible thing. Because as I said from the beginning, John is writing this gospel not just to Jewish people, but to people of all tribes, all nations, all tongues. We, are all, have, we all have the ability to become a part of God's family, to be his children, just by believing into Jesus. And then the next thing that we learned about who we are is we are born of God. And this is going to be seen, something that we're going to see later on in John next week's sermon. Uh, we'll talk about how for God so loved the world that he gave us his only beloved son. And in that passage, Nicodemus is asking uh, about, about this topic. And Jesus says that you have to be born again. And so we're going to be talking more about that next week, about what it means to be born again. This is probably one of the most important verses in the Bible, in my opinion. So I singled it out just by itself. The next verse goes, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is such a a powerful statement to say the word, the logos, the power, the essence of God, the creator, the creative energy of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The literal translation of that made his dwelling among us is he pitched his tent among us. He moved into the neighborhood with us, which is what Eugene Peterson translates in the message. He's the new kid on the block. 
we tend to think of God, obviously, as this transcendent, just magnificent, holy, unbelievably all-powerful being. And yet our God became flesh, chose to be one with us, to come down and dwell among us, to pitch his tent in our neighborhood, to move in next door. This is not something that we in our society consider a smart move. Nobody, you know, if Elon Musk, right, were to just sell everything that he had and move into a dingy apartment right next door to us, like even that, from moving from a height of a billionaire who owns this massive company to moving into a, 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 a small apartment next door to us, that we would consider that crazy. What is he thinking? Why would he dwell among common people? He's a genius. He's a billionaire. That's just a human perspective. Now think of the God of the universe, the one who created all things becoming one of us, one of his created beings. So mind-blowing to think about. And here's, here's what we see about who Jesus is from this passage. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is dwelling among us. Jesus is the one and only Son of God who came from the Father. And Jesus is full of grace and truth. And what does this passage tell us about us? It tells us that we have seen his glory. Especially uh, referring to those that physically got to see Jesus. They saw who God is when they saw Jesus. And we, as God's followers later on, who, who haven't had a chance to see Jesus physically, we still see the glory of God in the stories of Jesus and in our experiences and encounters with Jesus as well. Moving on. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me before he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So once again, we start off by looking at something that tells us about us. We have all received grace in place of grace already given. So the sense of the grace of the law given to us, now we have even more grace poured on us through Jesus. Grace that transcends the law that goes beyond all the rules and rituals, we have received a grace that is uh, forgiveness for all, which is super powerful. And we see once again these things about Jesus, which we've seen already, the one and only Son, who is, him in, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father and has made God known to all of us. When we look at Jesus, when we look at what Jesus has done, when we look at what Jesus says, this is what we see who God is. God, we know God best through the image of his son, Jesus. So uh, um, I'm skipping over a bunch of verses here where it talks about the priests and the teachers of the law going to John the Baptist and, and talking, talking to him about who he is. So, like, what are you doing out here baptizing people? 
And John just keeps pointing them. I am here to point you to Jesus. And um, um, they, they, they don't totally get it. But we see this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, he's like pointing out for everyone to see, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was so that he might be revealed to Israel. So John gives this clear picture of who Jesus is in this story. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if we're to do a snapshot of the, the Old Testament, there are a number of images of what the Lamb of God means. What what could this mean? And, and we don't know exactly which one John could be referring to, but I think that there's probably a sense that he's referring to all the different images of the Lamb throughout the Old Testament. So just a few, just right off the top of my head. Uh, there's the Lamb that was the Passover Lamb. So uh, when uh, just the, the, the night before the Israelites were saved from exile or saved from slavery in Egypt. God told them to sacrifice the Passover lamb and to pour the blood on their doorposts so that when the angel of death came by, it would pass over them and not kill them. So here's Jesus, the lamb of God, the one who dies in our place so that we don't have to die. That's one example. Another example is, uh, if you think about uh, when Abraham took up Isaac onto the mountainside, um, I, Isaac kept saying, well, where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice when we get to the top of the hill? There's no lamb with us. And that's because Abraham was told by God to sacrifice Isaac, his son. And then when they get to the top, angel stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. And he says, look in the bush where there is a lamb that I have provided. So once again, the image of a lamb provided to die in our place. And this is who Jesus is, the one who dies on our behalf. Um, there's other images I'm not going to get into, but uh, a kind of a common motif is the lamb is the one who takes the punishment that we deserve away. The lamb is the one who takes the pain and the suffering that we deserve away. The one who takes... All these things so that we might be healed and forgiven. And that is who Jesus is. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So what does this tell us about Jesus? Jesus has the Holy Spirit upon him. Think about that. The Holy Spirit throughout the whole, test, whole Old Testament only went upon certain people. wasn't accessible for all. And here John is saying that he saw the Holy Spirit come down upon him. Uh, we also see that this signifies that this is God's chosen one. And in the blue here, we see something that tells us about us. It also tells us something about Jesus as well. Jesus is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit, which means that we can also receive the Holy Spirit. This isn't just for a select group of people. It is now available to all through Jesus, which is an incredible gift that he gives us. 
So later, um, John is talking more about who Jesus is. He's trying to explain him to his disciples. And we, I skipped a few verses to verse 37. When the, and he, he's pointing out to Jesus, look, the Lamb of God I was telling you about. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So in here we got some invitations for us. Some invitations that the disciples um, dis- that took on themselves, and they're things that we probably should be following as well. And the first invitation is they followed Jesus. The second invitation, they Jesus said to them, come and you will see. We're going to be seeing that throughout John. And then it says that they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. Now, you don't quite catch it here in the English, but those are kind of the same words, staying and they spent, and it's about dwelling. They went to where Jesus dwelled and they dwelled with him. And that's an invitation for us to go and dwell with Jesus who wants to dwell with us. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. Now, here's uh, all three things going on here. First, we see an invitation Andrew goes and he finds his brother Simon to tell him about Jesus. And this is an invitation for us to go out and tell people about who Jesus is. We learn that Jesus is the Messiah, that is the Christ, which means the anointed one, the one they've been waiting for to come from God to save them from oppression and from suffering. And the invitation here again um, is to bring people to Jesus. Not to save people. The invitation is not for us to save people. The invitation is for us to introduce people to Jesus. To pave the way so that they can meet Jesus themselves. And then something happens to Simon here, which I believe is indicative of something that happens to all of us when we encounter the living Jesus. And that is, Jesus changes Simon's name. He gives him the name Cephas, which is translated Peter, and that name means rock. He is giving Simon a new identity, an identity that's unique to who he wants Simon to be in him. And this is something that is is going to be weird because we're going to see Peter not be a rock for most of the Gospels. He's unreliable. He uh, he does things that are not um, strong. And yet, Jesus calls him the rock because he will be, in the future, the rock that Jesus builds his church upon. The leader of the church. The one who stands up boldly and speaks for Jesus. And this is something that I believe happens to all of us. We're all transformed when we encounter Jesus. From something that we're not to something that he wants us to be, which is supernatural and powerful. So we're going to see, I'm not going to read this section here, but we see again these similar invitations. The invitation to follow Jesus. The invitation to go out and find others and tell them about Jesus. 
We see here something about who Jesus is. He's the one that Moses wrote about in the law. He's the one that was prophesied about. And once again, we see those words again as an invitation to us. Come and see who Jesus is. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So Jesus here is the rabbi. He's the son of God. He's the king of Israel. And who are we? We are ones who will see greater things than the things that we see even in the Bible. We will see heaven open. We will have our eyes opened to seeing amazing things about who God is and what God is doing in this world. That is who God has created us to be. So, look at this list. In just one chapter, we see all these things about who Jesus is. And all of these things are going to be repeated throughout the book of John. These are, We're going to be seeing how Jesus is God in different ways throughout John. How he is the life, the everlasting life and life in abundance. We're going to see how he is the light, the guiding one, the one who opens our eyes. We're going to see how he is uh, full of grace and truth. We're going to see how he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're going to see how he is the one who is baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptizes others in the Holy Spirit. We're going to see all these things and more about Jesus as we go through this book of John. These are the things that we see about ourselves. We are those who believe in his name, who have a relationship with him. We are those who are his children. We are born of God. We are ones who see his glory, who receive grace on top of grace. We are ones baptized by the Holy Spirit, given a new identity, transformed and had our eyes opened all by the power of the Logos, the Jesus. And these are the invitations for us to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to come and see Jesus, to dwell with Jesus as he dwells with us, to find others and tell them about Jesus and to bring others to Jesus. These are the invitations for us. And I got one more story for us to wrap this up. The, the first 12 verses of chapter 2. I know this has been a lot to talk about. But I want to briefly look at this story uh, to end our time today. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman. Why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the wine that had been turned, sorry, tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he, he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. We're going to see that this was considered the first sign that Jesus does. And the first sign is not just the first in chronological order. It's also going to be one that sets the stage 
for all the other signs that happen after it. And in John, signs is a really important thing because it is signs that Jesus does to show us who he is and to encourage us to believe into him. And this one is very powerful because in this miracle, Jesus transforms something from one thing into something completely different. You can't move just from water naturally to wine. You have to somehow miraculously transform it with grapes and fermented grapes into something that is not just pure water. It has more added to it. And it is choice wine. It is the best wine. And these are all um, just, just images of from the Old Testament of the blessing that God wants to pour out on his people. And notice just quickly here, at the at verse 6 here, there were six stone water jars that had been used by the Jews for some ceremonial washing. These are the jars that Jesus uses to change water into wine. Why is this so important? Why does John include this detail? He's including this detail because he is showing Jesus is pushing aside all of the rituals, all of the rules, all of the sacrifices and the ways that we used to do things as Jews. And he is now introducing us to relationship. Jesus is moving people from religion to relationship. I don't care about all these things, says Jesus. What I care about is you and me now. Believe into me. Jesus does, does institute things like communion and baptism, things that are important rituals, but they don't have the same power that they had in Jewish history. And Jesus is, like I said, essentially saying, religion doesn't work anymore. The temple is not a thing anymore because it's now about you and me. It's about relationship now. And we see that in uh, the final verse here. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. He's doing all of this so that his disciples would have a relationship with him. Not just head knowledge, not just uh, these religious things that they do, but an actual relationship with a person. And that is what we are called to today. To have an amazing relationship with the creator of the world who takes away our sin, who offers us forgiveness and grace, who transforms us, opens our eyes, makes us uh, see his glory and invites us to invite others to see that glory and experience that glory firsthand as well. So that's a taste of everything that we're going to be seeing in John as we go through the series for the next few weeks. Blessings on you as you listen to these sermons and consider what John is speaking to you. May you, through this uh, sermon series, believe more into Jesus so that you might become children of God, so that you might become transformed, so that you might have your eyes open, so that ultimately you might experience the life of Jesus abundantly and everlastingly.